Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, because it never changes, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Yes, I am back again. And all month long on our Shock Your Potential podcast, we are talking about money. Money is always a great subject to discuss in the month of April because many of us have to give some of it back to the government. But that being said, I think our next guest today is going to help us with a lot of questions and maybe some really great ideas on maybe how many we can keep more of that money. So John Briggs is the owner of Insight Tax, and he's on a quest to, get this, protect unfairly treated taxpayers from massively overspending on taxes. I'm going to ask him a lot of questions. His model and strategies that he's taught for over a decade have given the practical steps to reach people's financial goals much quicker. And, you know, one of the things that he talks about is, I think is really important, especially for so many of you guys listening, is, you know, the the effort it takes to achieve a highly lucrative position can be really draining. And when you think about all the options that are out there that promise that are going to grow your wealth, you know, you work so hard for your money, you want it to grow for you. But so many of those options, you're not really sure because, a lot of people tell you a lot of things <laughs> and it leads many taxpayers to feel overwhelmed, many times confused. Which way should I go? What's the way that's going to get me to where I want to be? And he's going to make it easier for not only his his clients, but hopefully for some of us today. So John, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I always think, you know, the, the desire to have money matters or money matters depending on your inflection on it during the month of April is, you know, obviously not lost on anybody who's in the U S because we're all thinking about money and taxes at this time. And I hate giving away all my money, uh, <laughs> but you know, you have to give part of it back. So tell us, I hit some of the highlights though, and I can't wait to learn more. Tell us a little bit more about you and your business and how you help your clients to shock perhaps their tax potential. Yeah. Um, so I live in Utah, I have four kids uh, they're great. And they, they teach me a lot about how to be a better communicator with humans because uh, we have a, a, a pretty good sized team, about 25 team members. Um, and uh, anyways, I'm a pretty straight to the point type of guy. And uh, sometimes people need more than that. <laughs> so anyways, um, as far as our business goes, man, we've been around for almost two decades now. Um, I, you know, my first experience in this world of taxes and such was with a big four accounting firm. And I noticed that I was going to be given job offer, given promotions based on for them, what they call billable hours. Yes. And I also noticed that I had zero control over my workflow. Mm. I could control how efficient I was at the work, but I didn't no one, like I couldn't choose to take on more work. I had to wait for them to give it to me. 
Um, even if I asked, hey, I'm about done with this, can I have more work? Uh, and I actually hated how basically that means the client eats the cost of this inefficiency inside the system. Mm-hmm. And so from that moment on, I've always tried to have a pretty different approach to the accounting world. Um, as a firm, we just don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, as you can see, I'm wearing a t-shirt with a <laughs> hashtag on it. We wear t-shirts and jeans. Um, we're laid back uh, because ultimately we're serving the client. And I think sometimes we mistake, uh, accountants can mistake working for the government versus working for the client. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to share some tips with you because it's coming from a place of service and knowing that your audience is what makes the world a better place, not the government. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying we don't need a government. I'm not an anarchist, but uh, (laughs) I am saying they suck at spending your money. So let's help you keep more of it. Uh, And then you asked, how do I shock potential? Like, how do we help our clients shock their potential? Look, at the end of the day, the things that we focus on, focus on growing our clients' wealth. Mm-hmm. Because at the, you have to have money left over, which we call profit, mm-hmm. in order to do good. Um, we have found that like business owners, for example, who aren't making a profit get burned out and or eventually have to close their doors because they literally can't afford to stay in business. Yep. So our advice will help them keep their, like grow their profit so that they don't get burnt out they're paying themselves what they're worth, and then they can reach their full potential. Because the truth is, if we are only focused on like maintaining survival, we can't actually reach our full potential. You're right. I'm taking notes, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Um, and I think it's a great point, you know, that I've been kind of questioning this, this line of, you know, how many, how often, you know, when you start a new business and how many years until you're profitable and all that. And it always, I mean, it, it was true for my business, but it always kind of annoys me that, you know, that there seems to be this just acceptance that especially as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, that you're just not going to make anything for a while while you're building something. And, and while you're paying other people and you're seeing other things growing and you're not paying yourself, it is really, that is a really frustrating challenging situation. And you're right. It could lead to burnout without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I hate that idea too. Like it's just garbage. Like, I don't know who came up with it, but I don't know why we're accepting it. Maybe it's to justify that we're not making money. Um, (laughs) I think the media does a good job of sensationalizing these really big companies who have massive exits. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times their model is bring on investor money, spend it like crazy. Mm -hmm. And you know, occasionally it results in a bigger company buying them. Well, look, at the end of the day, I think if Uber actually wanted to be profitable instead of having investors fund it, like they could probably find a way to be profitable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So could the post office. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did I say that out loud? Talk about deficit spending for a little bit. Yay. (laughs) I think it's, it's, um, it's a great point. And, and I, you know, every time my husband and I, we get it, you know, we sit down with our financial advisor, I'm always saying, how can we make our, how can we mitigate our taxes? You know, there's got to be better ways. And I think we've been, you know, we've been working on it. I think we, we are improving, but it, 
it's not that I want to avoid paying taxes because, you know, I mean, I, I think it's important you pay that what you need to, but there is, yeah, there is number one, a sense of you hate giving away so much. But I think the other point is what you brought up too is, you know, especially if you know that it's not really always building our country, the, you know, the, maybe the way you'd like or the way it could be. And, and to see it, I'm not, I'm not an anarchist either. And I, you know, I want to keep systems going, but there's always this sense of, you know, can't we do all these things better? And how can we, you know, how can I make sure that, you know, we're still taking care of ourselves and our future and anything we might leave for our kids, you know, by what we do today with our money and our, especially our tax situations. Yeah. Uh, you know, I use this example a little bit. Um, there was a judge, a Supreme court judge, his name was learned hand. Uh, such a fascinating name. Um, and yeah. he shared this example of the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance. Mm -hmm. Tax evasion is illegal and you should go to jail if you do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. But as U.S. citizens or whatever, citizens of whatever country you belong to, you have a right and I would say responsibility to make sure you're not paying more than your fair share. Mm-hmm. And that's what all we're here for. We want to help small businesses who don't have the resources of the big companies to make sure that they're taking advantage of every aspect of the tax code that applies to them. I mean, it's 76,000 pages long. And in every time there's a new bill that's passed or sometimes executive orders, uh, it just adds more pages to the tax code. And most people don't realize that it's the bigger companies that are paying lobbyists to go in and get stuff specifically passed for them. Uh, but just because it was passed specifically for a company and they paid the lobbyists to make it happen, doesn't mean it can't apply to the rest of us. Right, you just have to know how to do it and somebody has to read those 76,000 pages. Yeah. That doesn't sound like fun to me. No, it doesn't have a very good story plot. It's kind of all over the place. <laughs> It's not one of those that you stay up at night going, I'll just read one more chapter and then I'll put it down. Yeah. It's not a page turner for sure. <laughs> so when you work with your clients and you start to help them realize what they can do and maybe, you know, how to maximize their opportunities. So, you know, definitely, you know, find ways to avoid things you don't need to be paying. You know, are there a lot of moments where they're like, wow, I had no idea I wonder, you know, I've been really leaving stuff on the table for a long time. Yeah, totally. Um, is, can I share some of those? Is that okay? Absolutely. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. So um, some of the basic ones that for a lot of people are eye-opening, you got to start with the entity structure. Mm -hmm. So entity is just literally referring to the legal formation of your business. And you have some basic ones. If you do nothing, you're considered a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. If you do a single member LLC, so mm -hmm. you set up an LLC, but you're the sole owner of it, uh, that's a single member LLC. Then if you have a set of an LLC and you have other owners, you're a multi-member LLC. And then you can have an S corporation. I don't really get into C corporations um, just because I don't see very many, there are a few reasons, but in most cases, it doesn't make the most sense to have that as your basic entity structure. Sometimes it makes sense in your overall tax strategy, but anyways. So let me talk about the way those are taxed and why this is why the entity choice is important. Sole proprietors 
um, file on their Schedule C on their personal income tax return. And if you do a Google search that says like audit, um, audit percentage of Schedule C's or whatever, any form of Schedule C's, independent contractors, audits, you'll find that the IRS likes to pick on these taxpayers. Oh. Yeah, only, um, you know, two to 3% of Americans are audited every year. But mm -hmm. of those 3%, like 70% filed a Schedule C. Wow. So you've increased your chance of being audited, which look, if you're doing things the right way, it shouldn't just, bother you. It's just a nuisance and you don't want to have to go through that. Right. But here's the other kicker with this only filing on Schedule C is that you have your income tax that you have to pay. Everybody pays that. But you also have a self-employment tax that is added on top of your income tax. Mm -hmm. Currently, that's 15.3%. Wow. Um, you know, no, at this point, I haven't seen any predictions specifically of what's going to happen over the next year, but all accountants are predicting taxes are going to increase because mm -hmm. um, it's just the philosophy of the people in control right now. Yeah. So we need to just, we have to roll with the punches, you know? So with that being said, you could be in the 15% tax bracket, but because you have self-employment tax on top of it, you're 30%. Yeah. And for someone who's in the 15% tax bracket, that extra 15%, that's a big chunk of change for them. Absolutely. So we don't like sole proprietor. We don't like filing our main business activities on a Schedule C. Mm -hmm. If you're a single member LLC, that may give you liability protection, mm -hmm. but you're taxed the same way as a sole proprietor. Ah. So not that great. Then we jump up to the multi-member LLC. We reduce our audit risk with that formation because it's a separate tax filing. Mm -hmm. The default setting is to, it files a 1065 tax return. It's called a partnership. Mm -hmm. However, if you're actively involved in the business, which most of our clients are, you still have to pay self-employment tax on all of your income. Ah. It's still not super great. That's where the S corporation comes in. And for many businesses, who produce what they call ordinary income, which if you're a service-based business, you definitely produce that type of income. The S-Corp allows you to minimize the amount of self-employment tax you pay because yes, it's a separate tax filing. So we've reduced our audit risk and you don't have to pay the 15.3% on your net income like you do on the other ones. Um, there are a little bit of complexities into how the S-Corp works, but if you're making more than 10 grand a year in net income, mm -hmm. paying an accountant to handle that complexity for you so you don't have to think about it is mm -hmm. going to cost you less than the tax savings that you gain. No kidding. So, and, and, and you, I know that you can change along the way because uh, the business I had two businesses ago, um, uh, or you know, the last business before I took some corporate jobs again for a while. I remember when my accountant came to me and said, "It's time we need to change you to a, an S corp." And I'm like, "Okay, no <laughs> idea why." Uh, <laughs> but there's other benefits to it too. You know, to be able to do, um, you know, kind of a not a 401k, but a you know a so you can have for you and your employees to start 
um, investing um, retirement funds, but I can't remember what that one's called, but yeah. I knew that was something else that came out of it. And it's so funny because I haven't, uh, I've been wondering why we haven't decided to do that with my business right now. And then as we're talking, I'm like, hmm, I think it's probably time. time. Yeah. So the good news is if you have an LLC right now and you're like, oh, I'm getting taxed that bad way that I just talked mm-hmm. about, you can make an election. Um, it's form 2553. It's two pages. You send it off to the IRS and you say, I want you to start treating my business like an S corporation. And they will. Uh, So it's pretty simple to do. The the form is pretty straightforward. You're just putting your business info and your personal info on it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for most people, having an S corporation in their structure makes a whole lot of sense. And that's why we start there. Because for a lot of people, that right there just gave them a ten to $15,000 raise because now they're not paying self-employment tax. Right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and I think about, uh, I was laughing when you're talking about, you know, there'll be in, you know, tax raises, income tax raises and our governor, I live in Philadelphia right now in Pennsylvania and our governor, when, you know, the, everything started happening last year with COVID and people, you know, everybody's losing money and the government's losing money. And somebody said, well, how are you going to make up for this budget shortfall? And he said, I'm going to raise more taxes. And he said to, oh, and he said to the individuals. And I was watching this press conference going, you, you what? <laughs> like, I know you do, but it's, I know you probably will, but I just, he just said it so matter of factly. And my first thought was, we live in Pennsylvania, which has a high state income tax. I live in the city of Philadelphia, which has a city a tax. separate tax. Yeah. Separate tax. We also have two different school taxes that we pay regardless of whether or not you have kids in school. And I'm, I'm the, the amount we pay in taxes, my husband and I are, con- we're contemplating moving to Florida because the move alone will give us a raise. <laughs> I literally last week was in Miami with a colleague who lives in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and she bought a house while we were down there. She's like, yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm done. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, and this is something that we can take away as a lesson we can learn. Look, we, I think we all understand money was put into the system. Somebody's going to have to pay the piper at some point. Yep. yep. We get that. But let's not go straight to, I have to raise prices, which yeah. is what income taxes to the right. You can also look at your expenses. Yeah. Is it possible the city of Philadelphia and the state of Pennsylvania may have some expenses they could cut off their budget to be a little bit more lean, just like oh any business, gosh. right? Wow. Why don't we look there first? Exactly. Like, when is that guy up for re-election? Let's not vote yeah. him in. That's crazy. Well, and that's the whole thing with, as a business owner, that's how we have to operate. When income is drastically reduced, you don't just say, well, then I'm just going to make more income. It doesn't work that way. You know, especially when the income is drying up for a reason or it's, it's slowed down, you have to make tough choices about what you're going to maintain in the cost items. And it's not easy. And you're right. It's, it's frustrating to see that. And we all know, I mean, the government doesn't want to give up what they've had either, but it really is interesting as we move forward through these big financial turbulent times to really take a look at, you know, what are we doing and what are we spending and, and how much can you take from people that are already losing across the board? Yeah, totally. Um, so another tip we usually share um, is just the mindset. What is a tax deduction? Most business owners have, have that question. Oh, can I write this off? Can I not write this off? Is this allowed? Not allowed. 
Well, the tax code, of course, complicates things. And they say, well, you can write off anything that's ordinary and necessary. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you mean by that? So they then created longer phrases that also don't make as much sense to explain <laughs> two words that didn't make sense in the first place. So here's the way I summarize it. If you're spending a dollar and you can relate it to your business in any form, shape, or fashion, that's a business deduction, mm-hmm. right? We can, we, it's not just the direct spent expenses we have to service our clients, Right. It's also things that help us to become better as the business owner, educational, mm-hmm. magazines. Uh, I have to be in contact with my clients all the time. So that's the only reason I have a cell phone. Therefore, mm-hmm. my cell phone is a business expense. Yep. I have to work from home. And if I weren't able to do that, my business would go under. My home mm-hmm. internet is a business expense. If I'm driving to a store where I'm picking up something and that something can be related to my business, those are miles I can claim. Mm-hmm. It's not just miles driven from my house to my business location or first business location to a second business location. It's all the other stuff too. So um, usually when we share that, we then encourage our clients to go back through the last 12 months, especially now, right? We're in February. People are starting to file for the 2020 tax returns. Go back through your credit card statements and bank statements. Mm-hmm. Did you miss anything that should be claimed as a business expense that you didn't already previously claim? I'm willing yeah. to bet if you have that philosophy, like this was related to my business. This does make me a better, better business owner. You're going to find some additional stuff. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's important to be able to look at that and and understand what does what does contribute to the growth and be with, with the fact that so many people and their businesses have gone virtual, you know, are from home offices now. Um, there's so many more, you know, opportunities, but I think a lot of people are still hesitant. Like, you know, you don't want to, I, I, I loved how you said, you know, like with sole proprietor that, you know, you're more likely to get audited and it, if you've done everything right, you know, it shouldn't bother you. And yet that's the fear of everybody, you know, like if I do this and it, and it sends up a red flag, I'm going to get audited. And even if you know, you're doing everything right, I think the stress of that would just oh. knock on wood. I won't have that happen because it just, the stress of it would just make me crazy. Even though I wouldn't worry about what they're going to find, I'd still worry about, you know, the process. Well, I mean, you, the IRS auditors, um, I mean, uh, there's a small percentage of them that are very nice. So most of them are literally coming in with the approach, you're stealing money from the government. And that's how they treat you. Even yeah. if you did everything right, you're like, wait, yeah. am I on a witness stand here or something? Like it, you're not going to go to jail if you get audited for the record. Like only people like Wesley Snipes who pushed an issue for <laughs> the wrong issue, they go to jail. Uh, yeah. Like I said, tax evasion is illegal. You go to jail for that. You right. don't go to jail for making a mistake for fat fingering a number when you're putting it in. Uh, But yeah, the headache of dealing with someone who's treating you like a criminal, no one wants that. Yeah. Plus it takes away time and attention on your business, you know, to grow it when you're worried about something else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break, John, and hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. 
Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with John Briggs and talking all things taxes, which could be stressful. I mean, even thinking about it's kind of raising my blood pressure. <laughs> it's just something we know we need to do it. it. Don't really enjoy it. It's often painful. I love your shirt that says hashtag tax genius, because most of us do not. Most of us feel like we're wearing the dunce cap when it comes to it. And I know you've given us a couple pointers right now. Do you have any other great you know, points for us to keep in mind in terms of not only, you know, being better with our tax and our tax situations, but really maybe even gaining some confidence in how we can approach this instead of maybe dreading the tax season every year. Yeah, I got three tips that come to mind immediately. Um, first one, if you're traveling for personal reasons, let's go ahead and figure out how you can make that a business trip before you start buying your plane tickets and things. Because the IRS says, if you have a business trip or business purpose, it needs to be predetermined. Mm-hmm. So I can't fly to Southern California to go to Disneyland, for example, and then later decide, oh, well, I did go around to meet with some gym owners and other business clients, uh, therefore is business. No, I, I would need to show, I predetermined, I'm going to go meet with these clients. That's why I'm going down there. Oh, and while I'm down here, I'm going to go ahead and take a day and go to Disneyland. Right. Um, so there are always ways, in my opinion, that you can figure out how to write off at least a percentage of your travel for business purposes. One of the cool things is, is so, um, if you're audited, they actually look at how many days was the trip and how many business days were part of the trip. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be hundred percent in order to write off hundred percent. If Friday is a business day and I stay over the weekend and Monday's a business day, the entire weekend counts as business, even though I could only have to do personal things. Right, because you're not going to fly back home and back again. Uh Uh-huh. And if I'm traveling, the day you travel is always considered a business day. Mm -hmm. So if I just have like, I fly out on Thursday and I'm going to stay the weekend somewhere, like Thursday's a business day. I want to make sure I do something business related on Friday even if it's 30 minutes, but it's the reason I went there. Right. Now my weekend's business because Monday I can travel back and that's an automatic business day. Very so good. let's write more, let's write our travel off a little bit more. Now I know COVID kind of screwed us with travel in general, but I think <laughs> no we're kidding. all dying to get back out there. <laughs> oh yes. Yes, we are. Oh, that's excellent tip. I like uh, that. The next one, and this is probably going to be the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, We have a strategy. We call it corporate rent. Um, Others on the East Coast have called it the Augusta rule. Oh, yes. Somebody was just talking about this. So if you Google it, you can find a bunch of information on it, but I'll give you the summary of how it works. The IRS set up this rule, which I'm sure was uh, inhibited or uh, encouraged by lobbyists. If you have a rental property, it actually is a rental property after it's been rented out for more than 14 days. Mm -hmm. So if I have a piece of real estate and I rent it out for less than 14 days, it's not considered a rental property. Mm -hmm. However, as a business owner, um, 
I should be having at least monthly meetings, board meetings, even if I'm the only person on the board with me, myself, and me. <laughs> I can just have that meeting. Um, lots of companies will pay like a hotel or a convention center. They pay money to use a space to hold their meeting. Right. Well, your business as a separate entity can rent from you as a person your living space, wherever you live, even if you're renting it from somebody else. So the business takes a rent expense for paying you to use your living space. Mm -hmm. And as long as that, as long as you don't rent it out for more than 14 days during the year, your business takes the rent expense, but you're not required to pick up any rental income. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So you're basically able to take what would have been a distribution likely and tax on income and you just reduce your income by, by the rent amount. So we just recommend for simplicity purposes, you have a monthly board meeting. So 12 times a month. Um, we've used an average rate of $1,250 for the day use. Mm-hmm. If you're in a more expensive area, uh, you can go to like a Verbo website or a vacation rental type of website, find something similar in your geographical area, similar to your home size and whatever they're charging. If it's more than 1250, then you can consider using that. I have, we have clients in New York, um, and some are in the two thousands. I have some that are in New York city itself and they're in the four thousands, mm-hmm. but right. you definitely need that. Because if you're audited, they're going to say, how did you justify this daily price? Right. Well, here's a public website that showed me what the market rate is for it. But yeah, that's the beautiful part. So at, even at $1,250 per use, that's a $15,000 reduction of your taxable income. And wow. that saves you anywhere from three to $6,000 in taxes. So again, that's called the Augusta rule. We call it corporate rent. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of literature out on the Google with, uh, about that. (laughs) I love it. That's excellent. Okay. I bet you have explained that so much. Uh, you know, so now I really see it. I was talking about with another guest, but now, now I totally get it. So it can't be more than 14 times in the year, but it has to be. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, your once a month board meeting, boom, baby. All right. All right. What's your third one? Okay. The third one is more of just simple practicality. Um, I, I follow a system of cash management called Profit First. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a book written by Mike Michalowicz. If you don't do any, if you've never heard of it, you should read that. If you're a gym owner, I've written a specific book for the gym owner. It's called Profit First for micro gyms. Um, same concepts though. And with the idea, the main reason the Profit First system is needed is because of Parkinson's law. Um, I'll just give you a quick story of how to, how I illustrate this principle. I was working as a controller for a door-to-door sales company, which means head accountant, boring, <laughs> a boring job for most people. I love numbers. So it wasn't boring for me, but not very eventful. And one day the president of the company comes running into my office. He's like, you better like lock the doors and hide. Don't let anyone know that you're here. <laughs> like, <laughs> Look, I'm I'm just the controller. You're you're feels like you're being a bit dramatic. <laughs> like, what the heck's going on? Um, because the day before or the weekend before, we had just had this company celebration event party 
where we celebrated $30 million in revenue as a company, $30 million in revenue. And we were handing out checks to sales reps because that's part of the celebration, 10, 20, $30,000 checks to these sales reps. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, he's like, well, the owner would, had been working on getting a million dollar loan, which is the first flag, by the way, $30 million in revenue. And he needed a million dollar loan. What for? To cover the payroll checks that we had just handed out. <gasps> he didn't get it. So everyone's paychecks and bonus checks were bouncing. And if we recut the checks for the sales reps, those were also going to bounce. Oh no. So it's like, well, how does a company that does 30 million in revenue not have enough money to pay the sales reps? Well, backtrack six months when I'm sitting in this meeting and I introduced the leadership team to this beautiful, gorgeous, super sexy spreadsheet. And in this spreadsheet, I'm like, who was it? <laughs> yeah. In the spreadsheet, I laid out for them, like, look, guys, here's the math. Numbers don't lie. For every sale that we are making, we keep $8, which was a 1% margin. They had oh my so God. much expenses and overhead. And I'm like, hey, I've heard of this new idea, innovative, just sweeping the business community. And I think if we introduce that here, it might make a difference. It's called a budget. And this was pre-profit first, where I would have introduced them directly to profit first. And they're like, John, you're so paranoid. Gosh, you're always a downer. Like, we don't need a budget. We'll just sell more. At oh. $8 of, of pro, like actual cash left over per thing. So what happened, this is, this is because of Parkinson's law. And Parkinson's law says, the demand for something will always expand to match its supply. Mm -hmm. So the demand for something expands the magic supply. What are we talking about here? Most businesses have one bank account. Mm -hmm. Think of your one bank account as a giant pile of supply, your cash. Mm. And your cash available to spend, we now look at your expenses. Mm -hmm. Your expenses are always going to expand to match that cash available to spend. Right. So profit first, we say, look, we know that we have certain commitments Let's create additional bank accounts for some of those commitments so that we don't get ourselves in trouble by right. spending money that we thought we had, but it's actually been committed to other things. Right. So at a minimum, again, if you haven't read the book, it's phenomenal. If you've read the book, please implement the system. It's been a game changer for me uh, and all of our clients who actually implement it. It's awesome. But at a minimum, from a tax standpoint, you can do as much as you can to avoid tax and apply all the legal strategies possible. I've shared a few with you here. But ultimately, if you're profitable and you make money, you're going to have to pay something. Mm -hmm. Why not set that money aside throughout the year in a separate account specifically to pay your income taxes? And if you do that, you don't feel the big hit. Yeah. And you're able to continue to run your business almost without even realizing that you have less resources available. Right. But if you don't do that, I mean, how many times do people get stuck with, it's April, I owe $30,000 in taxes? Mm -hmm. Where the hell's all that money? Yeah. Well, great, I get to be the one who told you, you spent it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I didn't make that much money. Well, then your bookkeeping's wrong and that's another problem. Right. But, you know, so if we set it aside, then all of a sudden like, hey, you owe 30,000. Well, I'd rather not pay that. 
but I've already set it aside. Yep. It didn't yep. hurt me while I set it aside. Yeah. Uh, so that's my big, that's from a cash flow management tip when it comes to taxes, at least start saving tax in a separate account. So you know, this is just my tax dollars. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the envelope theory, you know, every month. It's literally envelope theory. Yeah, your grocery money, your gas money, put yep. it in the envelope when it's empty. You just can't take it out of the mortgage or the rent money. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic, John. You've great tips. And I think it's really timely because like I said before, I think there's a lot of times that people um, think that there's that there's only so many ways that they can manage their their task ta uh, tax risk um, or their you know their uh, um, their liability to it, and yet there are a lot of ways. As long as you're working with somebody who has a different perspective, who really understands the rules and the opportunities, and helps you to navigate the path that works best for you and your business. Yeah, everyone has a responsibility just to pay their legal fair share. That's it. Don't pay more than you have to. You don't, there, there's no heroic patriotic badge that comes with that. Yes. And I, and I, my son hates it when I quote him or when I talk about him on my podcast, but I, I, we've had the, the discussion the last couple of years, cause he's just about to turn 30, that it's not a great thing when you get a tax refund, you know, because guess what? That money, it's not like bonus money. You've already earned that money. You just gave it over to the government early. <laughs> Interest-free loan to the government. Yeah, exactly. He still hasn't quite gotten that yet, but uh, we're working on it. Just getting there. That's a little actually bit really why I like saving my own money in my taxes. Yeah, because then, uh, if there's any money left over in that tax account after I pay my tax bill, I, it's mine. I get to keep it, and I didn't give it to the government interest-free. Yeah, and it's it like was a little all present mine the whole time that I could use if an emergency happened. Like, yeah, it's great. Absolutely. I love it. John, thank you. such fantastic tips. I know we're going to have all your contact information on the show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, I need you and I need you now. What's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. So our website for our firm is insightstax.com. And that's I-N-C-I-T-E-T-A-X, like to incite a riot, because we just don't think they're very good at handling your money. <laughs> I love it. And before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Um, I just, I want to leave a word of encouragement. You know, last year was rough. Um, and sometimes business owners, it might've been rough even before that. Mm -hmm. But if you have this passion to serve people, not everybody in the world has that. The world needs you to show up and to reach your full potential. And while profit isn't about getting rich, it can certainly lead to that, but that's not what it's about. Profit is the necessary fuel for your business's healthy survival. And so there's nothing wrong with running your business in a way so that it's highly profitable. It's the only way to fully serve who you are wanting to fully serve. So stick with it, stay strong, and just choose to be profitable. Mm, wise words. I, I couldn't agree more. John, thank you so much for being a guest today. That has been fascinating and very educational. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. 
make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.